0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our program Develop. It's our absolute joy and honor to have you with us as we continue our exploration in a series that we titled The Ministry of Discipleship. And over the past few episodes, we have been Attempting to describe the reality that discipleship is the core of Christianity. It is a vision that Jesus came and implemented for the hope that the rest of all generations would follow his example, and that we would be a type of people that not merely engage with others to improve their knowledge, theoretical knowledge, or to inspire them with activities, regardless how helpful those activities are, but to be a specific type of person in the world, a Jesus-like person. And we notice that they're sometimes due to our upbringing, or maybe our reading of the culture, or maybe some of the teaching that we received unintentionally, we have been hindered from adopting this discipleship vision that Jesus intended for His church throughout all generations. And today, hope, hoping that you have been convinced to participate, to invest your life in partnering with Jesus and throughout all the world, Christians, lovers of God who want to see Jesus' uh, commission, His priority to be our priority. And hopefully you want to participate and you're asking, so what is my role? What can I do to help people grow and develop and become more like Jesus? And as you know, that the concept and the plan of God for discipleship incorporates helping people discover Jesus. That's before discovering Jesus, there is no spiritual life. But then once they discover Him and accept Him as a Lord and Savior, then they need to develop in Him. They need to grow, to move from being spiritual babes, to grow and mature and to resemble Jesus more consistently in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their church environments, and indeed in their community. And then they need to be supported in the way they go about developing their skills in order to disciple others, to help others discover Jesus, help others develop in Jesus, and help others to multiply Jesus like disciples. This has been the rhythm of the church throughout all generations. We know that Paul, the greatest missionary of all times, Paul the Apostle, didn't just focus on the idea of being a missionary, an evangelist, somebody that invites people to discover Jesus. But he tells us in in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 to 29 that his entire hope and goal, was to present people fully mature in Christ. That means he wanted to incorporate people into the life of Jesus to, that he would help them become more and more like Jesus. He was like a mother laboring so that Christ may be formed in his converts, in his disciples, in his congregations. And uh, we discover through his experiences and his teaching and his discipling of his people that he wanted them to emulate his example and do the same thing and not merely become leaders, but become disciples. And we will uh, explore one of those examples today, a person that Paul would consider his true son in the faith. And he would tell him about the role of being a disciple in three very simple ways. I will explain them to you now, and I'll show you from the scripture that they are evident in what Paul was sharing with Timothy. Number one, he would say to Timothy that a discipler need to model the life of Jesus, need to exemplify what it's like to live like Jesus. Then a the discipler need to teach people how to be like Jesus. And then the discipler finally partners with others in order to help them, in order to coach them step by step in that life that they have accepted to live. So let's have a quick look at Timothy, the discipler. Timothy came to faith uh, potentially through Paul. He had a uh, a gentile father and a Jewish believing mother and grandmother who taught him the faith from childhood. He taught him the scripture from childhood. Yet at Paul's second missionary trip, potentially. Uh, Paul encountered Timothy in Acts chapter 16, and he came to faith, and he recruited to he recruited him on the team. And Paul entrusted Timothy so much; he would call him his genuine son in the faith. That speaks of the. Proximity and the closeness and 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 the partnership that Paul had with Timothy, which is really the heart of discipleship. Disciples are not silos; they're not just preachers or or people who are you know they they they, the uh, the front of the crowd on a stage. No, they people that partner with other leaders and disciples to form a community that integrates others in the life of Jesus. And Timothy, poor Timothy, had irritable bowel, you know. We don't know why that is helpful for us to know, but he was a timid personality. And Paul wrote to him what we know as part of the pastoral epistles to him and Titus. He wrote to him two letters, First Timothy and Second Timothy. And, and in this particular uh, um, epistle, letter, uh, Uh, Paul had sent Timothy to Ephesus because as Paul had predicted, false teachers would come after Paul had invested three years in Ephesus and and produced an amazing move of God but he he predicted that false teachers will come and indeed false false teachers came to rob the christians of their uh, experience of living the life of jesus in the world and paul wrote first timothy in the mid 60s to instruct timothy to lead the group of of believers in ephesus to teach correct doctrine and to inspire them to live A godly life. So he wanted Timothy to confront false teachers as well as to develop the believers. It wasn't enough that they were just Christians, they needed to live the life that Jesus died and rose again in order to allow us to live out. And in that epistle in chapter 4, Paul gives Timothy a very clear instruction about how he can lead as a discipler. And in that small passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I would like to share with you three observations about your role and my role as disciplers. And I pray this would enable us to simplify the responsibilities that we have in order to make disciples. So it doesn't seem so overwhelming. I must have a, a bachelor degree in theology I must have been in ministry for for 16 years or I must have memorized 730 verses. None of that. You will see how simple it is to be a discipler. It's not haphazard. It has a system. Not everything is organic, but it's simple for anyone to embrace. Look at what Paul tells Timothy. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. The first thing you need to know here that Timothy was considered young in his culture because anyone uh, below the age of 40 was considered young in those days. Like... um, you know, like anyone that is uh, younger than 21 years of age these days. And Timothy probably in his 30s was considered young, probably intimidated by the experience of the false teachers and their high standing in the community, in a hierarchical community. But Paul is saying to him, being a discipler is no indication of your credential. It's an indication of God's call over your life. You don't have to be esteemed by others. You don't have to be, you know, uh, well known and well educated to be, uh, you know, used by God. And that's important for you and I. Whether you're a parent at home, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a student at uni, wherever you may be, God wants to use you to be a discipler. And He says. The first way you can do that, Timothy, is to set an example for the believers. Timothy, in order to be a person that disciples others, you need to take seriously the way that you model the Jesus-like possibility, the way that you model the life of Jesus, the way that you model the example of Jesus. And 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 Paul would have done that himself because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's the way we live life for Jesus because if Christianity was about a set of assertions and beliefs, all you need to do is to read a book. Or listen to a podcast or study a theological course or whatever it might be that helps you become cognitively uh, aware of the tenets of the faith and just accept them. But because Christianity, because discipleship is about the type of person in the world, you can only receive that when you see it when he experienced it in an embodied form. That's why God created us to be like him from the start, Genesis chapter 127, but we couldn't live that way until Jesus came and he demonstrated to us what God-likeness looked like in flesh. He was incarnated in a way that we could touch and feel and observe what it's like to live the image of, of God that we were created to bear. So Jesus revealed to us the image of God. Paul imitated Christ and became the image of God that others around him could see. And now Timothy's turn to live out, to imitate Paul who imitated Christ so that others could actually see what it's like to be like Jesus. There is no way we can mass produce Disciples. You can mass produce educated people, but you can't mass produce a type of person in the world. He says, Be an example in speech and in conduct. That basically is a summary of life speech and conduct, the way you live your life. And in what way? In love, in faith, and purity. In love to other people, in faith independence and trust on God. So, in your relationship with others, I want you to be an example. In your relationship with God, I want you to be an example of trust and dependence. In your relationship within your inner life, I want you to have purity, self-control. So, Paul is saying, I want you to exhibit Jesus-likeness in every aspect of of life, And that is the first thing that we're invited to do, to model the possibility, to be a mirror that other people see who they are on the inside uh, through your life. In a, a brilliant book called uh, Rare Leadership, it says the qualities of Christ have been born in us through the Holy Spirit. That is our potentiality. That's our nature. They are present but dormant, and ready to be seen and called out. To be like is a great way to describe the mirror neurons in the brain identity center. Mirror neurons can't look at themselves. Our identity center can only look at others and activate the neurons that reflect what they see. You know what I believe they're explaining here is something neurologically that testifies to the fact that we need to be examples as Paul instructs Timothy. What they're saying, what the authors are saying is that we can't see who we are unless we see it in others. In our identity center, it's like mirrors. We can only see who we are by seeing what other people are like and become part of that environment where we see who we are because we see what people are like. If they like Jesus, we see that, oh, that's what's on the inside of me. That's what I'm capable of becoming. You see, we need to live in such a way that other people see who they can be. I wonder if you've ever encountered a healthy, fit individual, a close friend, Or 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 some uh, acquaintance that you notice who are uh, maybe weren't uh, maybe were out of shape and for one uh, reason or another they embrace this fitness regime and they wake up early they go on boot camps they look after their dieting and as you see the improvement in their health in their energy in their outlook and their vibrancy you say oh my goodness. I have heard a lot about being fit. Maybe I read about the, the, the type of, of exercises that one can engage with, but having seen it real life, oh man, I want that. And this is exactly what Jesus wanted us to do is to live in such a way that's attractive, that makes the doctrine of God attractive because people can see it and touch it and say, yes, I want that. I want that. When we went to Greece with our family many years ago, we couldn't speak the language. And we looked in our in our little dictionary, pocket dictionary, and we realized that if you say of means this, this. And and everywhere we went we say Ofto, of toh of That's the only thing we understood at the time to communicate with the, 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 the uh the shop owners and I guess that's exactly what we're invited to be that people say of to, of to." they look at you they look at me say I want that I want that that's what it looks like to be like Jesus not reading books that talk about it but I want the embodied version that tells me that's the type of life I'd love to live the second thing that we're invited to be in order to be disciples Paul tells Timothy until I come Timothy Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So, what is Paul saying to Timothy? The first uh, role, responsibility that you have is to live out the faith. The second thing you need to do is to teach others the reality of the faith and he uses three separate instructions there he says for him first is to read the public reading of the scripture and um, and uh, uh, you know in the scholars the commentators tell us that this was a you know, uh, a representation of what used to happen in the Jewish uh, temple where they read uh, the scripture, because not everybody like these days have your version or have a, a, a um, their own uh, version of the scripture. No, they, they were only select few uh, scriptures that they could read. Uh, that were, were available primarily in in the public uh, environments for people to listen to others reading the scripture, and he's saying um, that Timothy, you need to do that in in uh, in the hearing of others. Read it aloud. Why? Why is he asking him to read the scripture around, aloud to people? Well, uh, commentators tell us uh, that scriptures were intentionally read as a way of answering the old. Present and pertinent question, who are we? If this is who we are, how should we live? What should we do? In a simple way, they were reading the scripture in exactly the same way Timothy was to live his life publicly. Timothy was a mirror that showed people who they are. And when they read the scripture, the scripture became a mirror to show people who they are. Have you noticed that? It says it it answers the old present and pertinent question, who are we? The scripture was to reveal to the hearers, to the audience, their potentiality their nature, who they are on the inside, that the scripture was a mirror that when they look at it, they say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I have God's goodness. I have God's kindness. I have God's wisdom. I have God's self-control. You begin to realize some things have been deposited on the inside of you that maybe you are unaware of when you first received Christ. So Paul tells Timothy, I want you to begin to teach people to understand who they are. You see, much of our teaching today is abstract thoughts of what people should know and should do. But Paul began by saying, before you tell people what to do or what they need to know, you need to read to them who they are. You need to show them who they are. So the the steps that Paul instructed Timothy to do in that realm of teaching, in that responsibility of teaching, is first to read so they figure out who they are. The narrative of the story of God reveals our own narrative and help us to see who we really are. The second thing he said to him is to preach. Uh, Preaching was an exhortation to help them to apply that word which speaks of who they are in their daily behavior. And, and we love to say that the reading of the scripture revealed their potentiality, revealed their nature, and then preaching helped them to express that nature, which basically is their calling. They live out their calling to live exactly what's on the inside of them, express that out in daily life. Just like Paul says to the Philippians, work out your own salvation. That means live out what is already on the inside. Bring out what's already on the inside. What God already deposited, you don't have to manufacture godliness. You don't have to manufacture love. You don't have to manufacture self-control. You live that out because it's already been deposited in you. You are called to allow the Holy Spirit to collaborate with the Holy Spirit to live that out. To change your behaviors. So the preaching was to focus on their doing, which is a participation and a collaboration in what the Spirit already deposited. Then finally, it says to him, and to teach, to teach the sound doctrine, to teach the pattern that Paul already taught Timothy as, as it tells us early on that I want you to teach the sound pattern or the wholesome pattern of teaching which is contrasted to the pattern of false teachers in Ephesus. He's saying teach wholesome teaching, healthy teaching. And that healthy teaching is the way they need to know God's heart, God's, uh, uh, you know, proper doctrine, but it also teaches them how they can progress. You see, uh, throughout the scripture, and particularly in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, it tells us that the teaching can either be milk or it can be meat. It's milk for the babes, meat for the mature, the people that have been trained. So I guess what Paul is saying, Teach people according to their own stage of development, according to their own experiences and lived experiences so that they can have the knowing, the doing and the being integrated into one so they can be the type of people that represent Jesus in the world. The first thing is to model the life of Jesus. We call that model the possibility. The second thing is teach a progressive pattern so people know. It starts with the identity and therefore it latches out. It, it, it oozes out of them in their behavior and their thinking. And finally, look at what Paul says to him. He says, Timothy, be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them that it everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Why Paul? Persevere in them because if you do so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Can you see the amalgamation? Can you see the integration? Can you see the connection between the way that Timothy is instructed to live his life And the way he would interact with other people, the hearers. And at the very end, it says that if you do that, if you balance that, they will benefit, they will progress. It says, I want people to see your progress. But I also want to tell you that when they see that, they will also progress. Just very briefly, to engage in partnerships, we need to do three quick things. Number one, we need to pay attention to our own private lives. We need to live in such a way that people see that we ourselves are growing. We are investing effort. You know, this whole concept about, you know, she'll be right. It'll be okay. I've received Jesus. No, no, no. He's saying make your progress evident to all. Show that you're actually growing. Show that you're actually developing and not something that you say, well, it's a private matter. I can see that I'm growing. He's not saying that. He's saying that make sure that your growth is evident to all as it's written in the New, uh, King James Version. Let your progress be evident to all that people would say, I can see that they were like that, but look at them now. They live differently. Us as disciples need to show our investment in our own development with Jesus. Secondly, he says, we need to be devoted to, others, to other people's development by the way that we live and the way that we teach. It's it's, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, I'm going to teach the word of God and I hope everybody can do their part. It's so uh, intricately uh, involved in the way I see myself. It's not like they are something and I'm something. We're all in it together with the body of Christ. So I'm devoted to their development. Just like I'm devoted for my development in Christ. There is a commitment there that we sink or swim together, so to speak. There is commitment to other people's development. And finally, he, he speaks to him, particularly in First Timothy chapter 5, the following few verses, one and two, he talks to him about genuine loving relationships with older men and older women, younger men, younger women, to treat them like family. And, and to really show his care, but also he says to exhort them, to exhort even an older person. You want to challenge them and support them. It's, it's beyond the formalities of having a group. It's about living life together, and in living life together, it's not about patting people on the back regardless. It's about showing love and respect and encouragement, but it's also about challenging them when needs to be challenged and corrected. That's what a discipler does, risks their own relational harmony because they want to support, genuinely want to love and support others to grow in a relationship with God. So friends, my heart desire is to convince you, is to encourage you, is to invite you to buy a mirror and be imitated by a mirror by a mirror and see who you are by a mirror to remind you that you are what people can see of themselves you need to see that you are like jesus first and foremost to allow the spirit to enable you to live that type of life to live who you really are and then to remember that other people see who they are as they see the way you lead your life. And when you do that, you will not only be a person that teaches others or partner with others, but you will live in such a way that it will be worthy of being emulated. And maybe, just maybe, as the Holy Spirit anoints you, you will live such a way that people would, when they imitate you, they are imitating Christ. And that is our absolute hope and prayer for you. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next time.